0: Job and his so-called friends are locked in a bitter battle of the minds, and round three is just about to get started. Thanks for joining me on Through the Bible. Our teacher is Dr. J. Vernon McGee, of course, and we begin our study in Job 22 at verse 1. Most of us can understand Job's feeling of being alone, even though there were people all around him. When those on our staff back in December of 1988 received word that Dr. McGee had passed from death into life, they too suddenly felt all alone without leadership. Many of our listeners had the same feeling, but Dr. McGee left us with a message that's made it easier for us to move forward under a higher leadership. His message refocuses our attention on our continuing mission of taking God's entire word to the entire world. Here's that message again.
1: The Bible bus continues to roll down the highway of time, and you see no one at the driver's seat. Actually, the same driver is there, who has been there all the time, the Holy Spirit. He is the real teacher who alone can take the things of Christ and show them unto you. I was just a voice crying in the wilderness of this world, and I am still just a voice. That's all.
0: Dr. McGee's wisdom, wit, and leadership will always be valued here at Through the Bible. Since his passing, God has grown this ministry beyond what I think even Dr. McGee would have imagined. And you know what? We give the glory to God for the new generation of lives who now changed, are praying for and supporting the ministry as we continue to take the whole word to the whole world. And that's why we love to share letters from the Through the Bible family. And here's a letter from Lila who wrote, I am a 20-year-old college student in a new town. I often feel lonely, and am not making friends as easily as I thought. I miss home, and my studies are hard. One night, I started listening to your programs and was surprised at how easy it was to understand the Bible. I picked one up at a local bookstore and started listening every evening. While I still feel alone, I'm grateful to have learned about the one true friend that will never leave me or forsake me. Through your broadcasts, I have accepted Jesus into my heart, and I'm learning so much about God's Word. This has given me the confidence to start attending a local church where, slowly, I've been meeting people. Well, thanks for your letter, Lila. You're a valued member of the Through the Bible family, and we're so glad that you're with us on the Bible bus. And then here's a text. This one's from our Bambara language program, and that primarily reaches West Africa, by the way. Through your programs, I have discovered that the Bible isn't just a history book. It gives us information on current events. It is extraordinary to see that many of the lessons provided through the lives of Moses, Abraham, Peter, Paul, and most of all, Jesus, speak to our lives today. As I have seen the truths you have spoken, I have given my life to God. Now I listen and read the Bible myself. Many of my family members have been perplexed by my new fascination, and they have begun to listen to your programs on their own. I have warned that if they begin, they won't want to stop. To God be the glory for His Word and the gifts He has given you in making them come alive for all who listen. Well, praise God for this new sister and brother in Christ and all those who hear of God as we study together. If you'd like to join me and thousands of other Through the Bible listeners in praying for the people worldwide, then you need to sign up for the World Prayer Team at ttb.org forward slash pray. Together, we get to intercede for people to hear and believe on Jesus Christ as God's Word goes out in more than 200 languages worldwide. Now let's pray as we open our Bibles. Father, we're grateful for the impact that Your Word is having in lives all around the world and the impact it's having in our lives as we give it our attention and faith. Through the story of Job, Lord, help us to see our own story and, and help us to trust you even when we don't understand your plan. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's jump into our study of Job 22 and 23 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee.
1: Now in the 22nd chapter of the book of Job, we come to the third round This is the third inning, if you please. This is the third time that these men get into the arena to battle an intellectual battle. And as we've said before, this is not so attractive today. I understand they've attempted now in several colleges to have an intellectual bit of back and forth, and for years I know we had debating teams because of the fact that we engaged in that years ago and that type of contest. Well, it never attracted too many folk, and it doesn't today. But they're building bigger baseball and football stadiums all over the country. It's a mighty poor city today that doesn't have a gleaming multimillion-dollar stadium for athletic events, and very little goes in for the intellectual and even less for the spiritual. But you see, back here, this is an intellectual battle, and it's a spiritual battle. And that is where all of us are fighting. Very few of us have ever been out on the football field carrying the ball or charging or blocking. Very few of us have ever gone up to bat in a major league. But all of us are out in the arena of life today with a spiritual battle, and yet it's not the important one to most people. They'd rather go and sit in the bleachers and watch somebody else hit the ball or somebody else carry the ball. But my friend, you and I are fighting a spiritual battle. We're wrestling, Paul tells us, and here is one going on here. Now, it excited people in that day, but we must remember they're not civilized like we are today, you know. We build multi-million-dollar stadiums for physical combat and not the intellectual. That's not emphasized today. Now shall we move ahead here in this 22nd chapter. Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, Can a man be profitable unto God, as he that is wise may be profitable unto himself? Now you remember, Eliphaz is the man that's had this remarkable experience. It's been strange and mysterious. And he could say, I have seen. He's a spiritualist. But it doesn't seem that he should have gone through all that excruciating and hair-raising experience to come up with some of the trite statements and some of the cliches that he palms off on us. And yet some of them are very good, by the way. And this is fine. Can a man be profitable unto God? And the very nature of the question reveals that a man can't be profitable to God. That is a very wonderful question because you see, Job has the same viewpoint that a great many church members have today that they are really profitable to God. I get the impression from some folk that they really make a real contribution to God down here. He's rather fortunate that They are on his team. And, of course, when they get to heaven, (laughs) that's really going to make heaven because of who they are. Well, a man's not profitable to God. You're all unprofitable. And that means you're just a bunch of spoiled fruit. That's what he says about all of us today. Now, he goes on here in this light. Is it any pleasure to the Almighty that thou art righteous? Now, we begin now to see the little chink in the armor of this man, Job. It'll be glaring and apparent in just a few chapters now. But these men do sense that. But the trouble of it is they are not making really a correct diagnosis of the man, and they certainly do not know what the remedy is, and they're not able to comfort him and bring him help as they should. And the very fact that Job claims that he is a righteous man, that doesn't cause God to jump up and down with glee and throw his hat in the air. But again, I have a feeling that a great many church members, not I use that term because i Wonder about the salvation of some folk that seem to rest so much upon themselves and who they are. We bring no pleasure to the Almighty because of the fact that we are good little Sunday school boys and we've got a pin for perfect attendance, you know. A great many folk think that the Lord is delighted with that sort of thing. And, of course, we've given the impression that the Lord's delighted with it. I don't think so. I totally disagree with that. We need to recognize who we are, and we need to recognize our utter dependence upon God, and we need to recognize our great need of him and of looking to him, and instead of trying to do business with him and impress him with the fact of who we are and what we're doing. Now, he goes on to say, Or is it gain to him that thou makest thy ways perfect? In other words, is this something that God can boast of? Now, let's understand one thing, and we're going to see this. This man, Job, before God, on the plus side, had many things so that it could be said when it says he's perfect. It means this man stood in a right relationship with God because of sacrifice. And we find that he was offering sacrifice for his sons and daughters. Now, let me read on here and let's get the sense of what he's really saying. He says, will he reprove thee for fear of thee? Will he enter with thee into judgment? In other words, is God afraid to deal with you? Well, of course, apparently God wasn't because this man Job was having a rough time. Is not thy wickedness great? And thine iniquities infinite? For thou hast taken a pledge from thy brother for naught, and stripped the naked of their clothing. Now, I want you to know what Eliphaz is doing. And it's a mean thing. And it's a thing that, unfortunately, some Christians will indulge in. And that is gossip. Now, you see, when this thing happened to Job, it caused many people to say, well, wonder what it is in his life. And they didn't seem to be able to pinpoint it. And since there was doubt, what happens? That's when the gossip comes in. And he begins to manufacture something. And before long, why, he's able to spin quite a yarn out of a little piece of thread. And that's what this man is doing here now. This is the sense of his argument. He says, you're acting, Job, as if God might derive some benefit from your behavior. And as if he were restraining you, lest you might become too strong for him. You're just gonna become too good for him. Now, he says wickedness couldn't be greater. And so Eliphaz says, well, I just might as well tell you, this is what you're guilty of. Now he begins to guess. And here's where the gossip comes in. And none of these things are true. In fact, it puts this man Job on the defense, and instead of defending God, of course, he's defending himself. And if there's nothing wrong with him, then God certainly must have made a mistake, and there's something wrong with God. That's always the alternative. Now, listen to him as he speaks to Job. He says, verse 5, Is not thy wickedness great, and thine iniquities infinite? Now, here's what the gossips were saying about Job. For thou hast taken a pledge from thy brother for naught, and stripped the naked of their clothing. Thou hast not given water to the weary to drink, and thou hast withholden bread from the hungry. In other words, he's been a real Mr. Scrooge. That's who Job is, according to the gossip. But as for the mighty man, he had the earth, and the honorable man dwelt in it. Thou hast sent widows away empty, and the arms of the fatherless have been broken. Therefore snares are round about thee, and sudden fear troubleth thee. Are darkness that thou canst not see, and abundance of water cover thee? Is not God in the height of heaven? And behold the height of the stars, how high they are. In other words, he says, these are the things you've done, and the word's getting out now. After all, God is up yonder and he's taken note of it. He goes on, is not God in the height of the heaven? Behold, the height of the stars, how high they are. And thou sayest, how doth God know? Can he judge through the dark clouds? In other words, Job, you're doing these things as if God doesn't see you. And God does see you. And you are thinking you're getting by with it. And it's obvious now you didn't get by with it. You see, it all rests upon the wrong premise that Job has some secret sin in his life, and nobody knows about it, and what has come to him has come to him because of judgment. Now, he says, thick clouds are covering to him that he seeth not, and he walketh in the circuit of heaven. Now, what he's saying to Job is, God is high yonder and lifted up, and you don't see him, but he sees you and he knows about you. Hast thou marked the old way which wicked men have trodden, which were cut down out of time, whose foundation was overflown with a flood? And the thing that he's saying is this. It's the same old argument that he's given from the first. He rests everything upon some experience that he's had, and he can say, I've seen it. I've seen the wicked, he said. And finally, it all came out, and it's revealed. Now... Notice he gives a gospel plea here. And this is something that Job didn't need, actually, because Job actually was a man really in right relationship with God. That is, he occupied a redeemed relationship. He could call God, I know that my Redeemer liveth." Now, notice what he says here. And I'll have to drop down now to pick this up. Verse 21. Acquaint now thyself with him, and be at peace, thereby good shall come unto thee. Now, that is a marvelous, wonderful invitation. But it's sort of like invitations given in many churches today. There sit about 99% of the people that are saved, or at least think they're saved, And an invitation is given well it's almost meaningless it's almost to my judgment it sometimes borders on not only the profane but it borders on the ridiculous to do that and to ask job to accept christ when he's already accepted christ is not quite the thing he says acquaint now thyself with him and this is a gracious invitation by the way it's a good one for today. That's what God says. The Lord Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll rest you. And here it is in the Old Testament. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. And having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Thereby good shall come unto thee. Well, so what you mean by good? What will be good for us? And sometimes discipline is needed. Now he goes on to say, Receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth, and lay up his words in thine heart. If thou return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up. Thou shalt put away iniquity far from thy tabernacles. These men just keep harping on that. Job, deal with the sin in your life. And there's some secret sin there. And they're treating him now as if he's not even related to God at all. And this man is. Now, he goes on to say, "...then shalt thou lay up gold as dust, and the gold of Ophir as the stones of the brook. Yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense, and thou shalt have plenty of silver." Now, they assume that God is now his enemy, and God is not his enemy. That has been, I think, one of the great deterrents today to preaching the gospel Men are sinners. That should be made very clear. But God today is not at enmity against this world. The gospel has made it very clear that God is reconciled to the world. You don't have to do anything to reconcile God. Christ did that for us. And God has his arms outstretched to a lost world. And he's saying to you, you can come now, but you will have to come my way. You will have to come by the one... Who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? No man cometh to the Father but by me. But, my friend, if you come that way, you're brought in with great abundance and a great welcome, and with boldness you can come into the presence of God so that these men are not really representing God, as you can see at this time. And this is no comfort or help to Job. Now, Job's going to answer again. This is this. Seventh time that he answers, and now he's beginning to have a longing for God. These men keep telling him, but this man has a longing in his heart for God. And the whole point is that the friends are not bringing him into God's presence at all. But listen to Job now. Then Job answered and said, even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Now, Job says, actually, or well, you fellows see my condition and you've heard my complaint. But my condition is worse than it looks, and it's worse than I'm making it. That is the thing that he's saying here. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. Job now has a longing to come into the presence of God. And it'd be wonderful if these men here now knew how to bring him into the presence of a throne of grace. He doesn't need a throne of judgment. He's already been there, and he's already been to the woodshed, and he's been disciplined. No question about that. Now somebody needs to bring him into the presence of God. I think that's obvious now. And He goes on to say, I can't find him. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. Now, Job says, I'm ready to go into his presence. But you see, the way Job wants to go into the presence of God, he wants to go in to defend himself. Oh, my friend, you don't defend yourself. You just go in and plead guilty before him because you are guilty. And when we find Job getting into the presence of God, He'll have a different story to tell, and he'll change his tune altogether. Now, here he says, I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Job says, I'm wondering what he would say to me, and I'd like to know what that'd be. And he says, I want to know where I can find him. And any man that has that in his heart is going to find him, I can assure you. Verse 8, behold, I go forward, but he's not there and backward but I cannot perceive him. Well, you can't locate God by running here and there. He's near, nearer than hands, nearer than breathing. He's right close to you. But Job says, I've been running up and down on the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Now there's beginning to break a little light on the soul of Job. And it's this, I'm being tested for a purpose. I don't know what it is. I don't understand the thing. But God is using this in my own life. And my friend, have you discovered that in your own heart, in your own life, that things have come to you and trouble has, and that it has strengthened the fiber of your faith? It has given you a moral character that you never had before and given you a strength and actually a comfort in the time of the storm. You know, he never promised we'd miss a storm. He did promise we'd make the harbor, and that's good enough for me. Now, will you notice what he says here? Verse 12, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now, Job says something here that reveals that he was following the Word, but his interpretation apparently was bad. But he has a desire for the Word of God. And here again is where God will teach us. You know, some of the lessons that are here in the Word of God, you don't learn them by actually studying them. you learn them by experience. Many of them come to us that way. Now Job will continue on here in the 24th chapter in the same light. And Job is quite windy when he comes back the next time. And actually, we're going to see his heart for the first time. May the Lord richly bless you, my beloved.
0: Well, if like Job, you likely wonder if God is present in the middle of your storms, I'd like to point you to a couple of Dr. McGee's free digital booklets that may answer your questions. In the first, called Why Do God's Children Suffer, Dr. McGee takes us to Hebrews chapter 12 for seven reasons that God allows suffering in our lives. And then second, to continue our study of suffering in Job's life and how it points us to Jesus, I recommend Job, A Man Stripped Bare. If you want to download these copies, you can visit us at ttb.org forward slash booklets. They're free. And while you're at ttb.org, also check out Dr. McGee's booklet, Lessons on How to Pray. In this study, through Ephesians, Dr. McGee gives us a blueprint on how to talk with God using Paul's prayers as an example. Again, those booklets I mentioned and more are available anytime at ttb.org forward slash booklets. If you want to share these booklets with your family and friends, call and request a pack of our free Read Bible bus passes. Each pass is roughly the size of a business card and it features our website and a QR code that links directly to our booklet downloads. Get your packet today by calling 1-800-65-Bible. Or to request them by mail, write to Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. Or in Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. Next time, we'll hear more from Job and his friends as we continue to wonder when God will choose to speak. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll be here saving a seat on the Bible bus just for you. grateful for the faithful and generous support of Through the Bible's partners whom God uses to take the whole word to the whole world.